So welcome to all of you, friends and family. I appreciate your being here very much. Really value your presence. Um, we have the honor and pleasure of a doctor appointment with uh, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, the only doctor I know who starts appointments with dancing and meditation. And it has a great effect on the rest of the appointment. Uh, we're, I think we're going to talk for a few minutes today about uh, the topic of insanity, which happens to be what's going on in the world in so many forms and uh, how how you can understand it and what what to do in response. So it should be interesting. It's going to go real fast. So welcome, Dr. Cousins, and thanks for being here. Okay, Richard, I'm happy to be here as usual. And um, we're just we're going to talk about really two issues. Um, but first, we do what we do. We start with a little dance to get into the, the spirit of things. And kind of lighten our minds and then meditate for a few minutes and then go into our discussion. Okay, so let's go for it. Okay.
Okay. Just focus on the eyes and we're going into meditation. Okay, slowly come out of meditation and going to bring up two topics today, uh, both at some level being controversial. One is report from the top statistics person in the government of New Zealand shows that within one year, and the data varies a little bit, between 17 and about 23% of those who get a shot, with one year of getting the shot, die. That's about your worst nightmare. You know, we're talking over 20 million people have died from getting the shot. And now we're talking... Uh, compared to countries where they didn't really have the shot available, the death rate was much, much lower. COVID itself is not the problem. I think that's the key. Now, we do have, uh, you know, the data is strong enough to say that the insurance companies, uh, who are also very good at statistics uh, for their reasons, have shown that since the COVID shot, I didn't say COVID now, I'm talking about the COVID genetically engineering shot with the spike protein was introduced 
the death rate in general has increased 40%. Okay. Now we have the one-year statistic, which is the dramatic new statistic, approximately 20% dying from the shot within one year, and a 40% increase in mortality overall. That's really worth really understanding. It's really worth understanding and appreciating. So what you've been hearing now is becoming more and more justified. That really there is a huge problem. Now, this guy from New Zealand, head of the statistics, actually got fired. Actually got arrested for telling the truth. His assistant got arrested, and his lawyer is on the run trying to avoid getting arrested. This is called for telling the truth. It's his job. He's head of statistics for the, you know, the health department for New Zealand. And it's like he did his job, and you know, and their and their approach is, well, I'm sorry, you can't tell the truth, and we're going to arrest you. So he did get arrested. So that's one kind of a state of the of the situation. Now I have to say that when we were in New Zealand, um, uh, which is when the the October seventh event happened, and we really couldn't get back for a week or two because flights were going into Israel. We stayed and we got to be a little bit longer in New Zealand. And really, people don't support the severity. Uh, most of the people we know really didn't get a shot unless they were threatened to lose their job. Uh, like my our wife's very close cousin. Um, so people just weren't really into it. Um, and this whole thing has made it more obvious. There wasn't fear about COVID. There wasn't anything. People just didn't give it a lot of energy. Okay, so that's the first thing. Richard, if you want to say anything about that before we get to the second point. Yeah, I think that's a really uh, important topic, Gabriel. And um, One of the things that I would <clears throat> add is that, well, two, two real quick ones since our time is short. One is I don't think this is unintentional. I don't think it's a mistake any more than the other types of atrocities going on in the world. I think it's planned. And I also think it's been seen not on the scale, but um, to a certain degree with all the, all the vaccines before this one. And many of the doctors who know about the damage that the COVID vaccine is causing, and which is way beyond the death count, by the way, the, the number of lives ruined by people lying, unable to move, you know, right. in constant uh, paralysis, whatever, is way beyond 20 million. But um, many of the doctors who understand that say, well, a normal vaccine doesn't do anything bad like that. It's actually good, and it saved people from polio and smallpox and all this stuff. All that's not true. 
And if you do the research, you find out that all the vaccines are weapons. This is just a much more successful one than the previous ones, and they're working on the next ones now. Uh, there's a site called uh, what uh, controlgroup.org, I believe it is, uh, that talks about the previous vaccines. It's worth studying. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say it's a really excellent point, important. And it says what the whole medical system has come to. People need to uh, become conscious and realize they're responsible for the judgment in their own health and not blind trust in authority. So in my book, Conscious Parenting, right. I put out with 80 pages worth of discussion that even Jonas Salk actually said that his vaccine was the main cause of polio after a certain time. Yeah, the main cause of polio. Okay? So we pretty much documented that when they introduced the vaccines in 1980, the vaccines were there in the 1940s. But when they really started giving many, many vaccines in 1989, approximately, there was a significant increase in ADHD and those kinds of uh, dyslexia and learning disabilities. So that uh, literally compared before and after, it's eight times more kids suffering, you know, from uh, dyslexia and ADHD uh, since they started giving lots and lots of vaccinations to people. So just making the point a little bit stronger. Yep. So go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt for so long. That's it. That was what I wanted to say is now we, you know, it's not just, the COVID, it's all the vaccines have a problem. <clears throat> COVID, COVID is actually a much more successful vaccine than the previous ones. Well, first of all, it's not a vaccine, but you mean by successful meaning it's killed more people. Yeah, a vaccine in the sense that it's injected, a liquid injected into you. That's it's, it's basically a bioweapon injection of spike protein, which is toxic, yeah. uh, and it reorganizes your genetics. So right. I, I, object, I, object to calling, I object to calling it gene therapy because therapy indicates something good for you. I didn't say it was gene therapy. I said it alters your genetics. I know other people, though, are calling it that. Yeah. But the point is, it alters your genetics and then the, the uh, spike protein uh, destroys your immune system, and your ability to, the P53 gene, ability to reorganize and repair the genetics. So it's it's very clever, demonically clever. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, I'm the one who said our time is limited, but I wanted to point out uh, Dr. Artis did some really important work on identifying the spike protein, and it looks like it's connected to uh, the manufacture of venom peptides which are uh, mimic uh, natural venoms in certain snakes like the crate and the cobra and this is a huge industry creating venoms for the so-called medical industry right oh it is an industry yeah it's not a health industry but it's an industry okay so the second topic uh, that we're going to talk about which we really talked about last week, too, is the meaning of uh, 
the uh, Gaza Arab and Jewish and Arab and Christian war that's going on, and it is a war. Um, and that war has been going on since biblical times. Um, you had Ishmael in Yitzhak, and they were at battle war, you know, 3,500 years ago. So there's nothing new. But the current one, in case people don't have the history, it is this didn't come out of the blue. This has a big history to it. Now, I, I, but I want to make a point here just to, to soften the discussion. Um, in Israel, 45% of the Israeli Jews have volunteered to help out with the war. Some way. Doing crops, you know, doing food, whatever. 28% of the Arab Israelis are also volunteering to help. But that's an important statement. 28% of the Israeli Arabs have volunteered to help with the war effort. So I think it's like people may be shocked, but that's what it is. On the other hand, and I'm going to try and pull it together, but I'm going to read some statistics. This is by a poll of Palestinians by uh, Arad. Uh, it's based in Ramallah. So it's a poll of Palestinian Arab people living in Judea, Samaria, and uh, Gaza. Um, the first thing is that the majority tend to feel that violence uh, was a preference over coexistence and that there was no uh, uh, pathway to a two-state solution. So the overwhelming uh, uh, feeling was that. 98% of the people had pride in the massacre. 98% were supportive of the massacre that took place on October 7th. Um, of unarmed, there was no battle, it was just a massacre. Um, but, and 89.5% decreased their belief in a possibility of coexistence. So those are really important statements. This is the thing the Arab thing. Now, about 78% of uh, the Arabs wanted just Judea and Samaria to be exclusive Palestinian. We call it uh, 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 no Jews. I'll put it that way. A little bit like what we see, what we saw in World War II in certain areas, but like, of course, Jim. So that's a pretty important statement. Um, but only 70% of Gazans felt that way. But in Judea, Samaria, where there isn't an overt war, it's 78%. Um, 30, 13% of the people in Judea uh, and Samaria uh, want a two-state solution, and 22.7% of the Gazans would like a two-state solution. I think it's interesting that there are more Gazans who would prefer a two-state solution. Uh, now, 98% were supportive, but 75% uh, 
of the Arabs <coughs> actually supported the military operation, meaning the the <coughs> the killing and raping and molesting. <coughs> Wait a second. Of <coughs> uh, of what happened in October 7th, where 1,200 people were killed, but they weren't just killed. They were terrorized. Okay. And 3.6% in Judea Samaria were against the massacre. So there were some people, 3.6%, and actually 12.6% in Gaza were against the massacre. And one thing that's kind of tilting here is that um, the Gazans are a little bit uh, less militant than the people in Judea Samaria, which I think is interesting. And they did really support <coughs> Hamas at, at the same level. So I'll say it again, 3.6% in Judea Samaria, which is considered kind of part of Israel, and 12.6% in Gaza did not support the massacre. So that's, that's important. Um, so in Judea and Samaria, we're digging as part of Israel. <laughs> About 62% supported Hamas. But in Gaza, only 26% supported. So again, you're seeing in, in Gaza, people didn't really support Hamas. So basically, Hamas, according to everything I heard, was quite, un, they got voted in, but they terrorized the people. And it isn't just Hamas. There's a Arab Muslim lady in Egypt, who spoke out against what was going on in Gaza uh, in terms of the way uh, she was speaking for for Israel having the right to fight back. And she faced death threats and actually had to escape from Egypt. Immediately. She, in a few days, she was facing such Severity. So it isn't just, and keep in mind, Egypt and Israel have a, have, have a long-term peace agreement going on. Uh, I guess Hamas wasn't, isn't that like, because the Islamic Jihad, Al-Aqsa Brigade, and Al-Qassam have more support than Hamas does, which is, which is interesting. So they're, they're not the most popular group. Um, and part of the unreality is a third of the Israeli Arabs deny Hamas targeted the women and children. But we have lots and lots of pictures and data of women brutally sexually molested. Not a little bit. Not raped. Raped, but sexually molested. Their breasts cut off. And then when it's all done, they get shot in the head. But... Uh, and 44% didn't feel the uh, attack by Hamas was justified. So we have some 
variation. It's not monolithic. That's the point I'm making. You know, I think it's important to look at one third, deny the reality that this even happened, and uh, 44% don't, didn't support the attack by Hamas. That's a lot, 44%. So part of what's going on is, and, and I've heard from, I'm kind of interested in the sociology of it, like the leader, uh, the son of, of the Hamas leader, who also is in jail, not the son, the Hamas leader, um, basically said that he was brought up that Jews were subhuman. Now that's, so what's new? That's what Hitler taught too. Um, but we have the other way where people are saying, well, Hamas is subhuman. The point is, and this is where I think it's important to realize it, no one is subhuman. People may do subhuman demonic things, but it's very important that people respect each other as human beings. And I think that's the most important thing. I'm just trying to point out there's a mix of opinion. See, to me, uh, one-third support, you know, deny any of this happened, and 44% felt the attack was not just talking about Israeli Arabs. That's a very important statistic. So it's not monolithic. There are people who actually see each other as human beings and have a sense of justice. And at the same time, this lady... Arab Muslim lady in Egypt was forced to flee in secret because she came out saying, you know, Israel has a right to defend them. So it's a much more mixed than people think it is. Which I'll turn over to you. I think a lot of, a lot of this uh, <clears throat> belief in people being subhuman is being encouraged by those who are in charge. Uh, <clears throat> partly governments and partly religious authorities and corporate authorities, and they just choose who to target as subhuman. And <clears throat> as we were saying before the show, this happened. It's not always religious. I mean, this happened before World War II in the United States, demonizing the Japanese as subhuman and all kinds of cartoonish uh, presentations of them looking like monsters. And that was because the people in charge of the U.S., which were as evil as they are now, wanted to make sure that Japan and and the U.S. went to war and that the U.S. got involved in World War II, which was a big part of the chessboard at that time. It was not just a money game where the arms dealers and the governments made a lot of money, but um, and the banks, I should say, not the governments, but also... Uh, moving towards one world control and extermination. And we still have the same issue that behind all these different players that seem to be at odds, we've got a monolithic, super-organized global control moving us toward destruction. And the whole question really boils down, you know, in the last little part of our conversation here, is what's going to happen is that we can say, well, we just believe that good is going to win, but short of God just stepping in and taking care of it, what do we do in our daily lives to move it away from the path of destruction and, and to realize we're, we're 
were controlled by, you know, again, I'm not going to say that the people in control are subhuman because I, I really don't think they are. I think they're the most brainwashed and the most enslaved of all of us. And inter- there are so many topics tied to this that we can go into for a longer period. But your point was that nobody is subhuman, and I've actually come to the same conclusion on a really deep level. I've, I've met <clears throat> when I was doing decades of investigation into the global power structure to see who's responsible. I ran into very evil characters, and I. this sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. It's a deeper level. I couldn't find any of those, human or otherwise, that were not spirit at the core. And so the whole issue is not, you know, it's easy to see it. Choose who's subhuman and kill them, you know, as as a typical suggested resolution. And that's why it's been hell on earth for tens of thousands of years without a let up for, for very long, worldwide at least. And the other mentality is there's only God at the core of everybody. And that God has to wake up in each person. And what can we do to encourage that before our time runs out? Looks so, like to me. Yeah, and that's why I, I wanted to bring the statistics that show, you know, even in the midst of this war and the polarization, they got 44% of the people don't thinking this is really what Hamas did. 44% of Arabs not agreeing with what Hamas did. That's a very significant statement because the humanity comes through uh, in the Arab world as well. Now, I live in Israel. I'm interacting with Arabs all the time. People are really nice. No, I don't, I'm not, not trying to be naive, but people are really nice. We joke, we laugh, we play a little bit, you know, in our interactions. You know, uh, and, and so even in the midst of this, it's just, it's not quite the conflict people think it is. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, I will say that a lot of people in Israel have felt terrorized by the Hamas thing. And I think that's part of their, their plan of being so brutal, you know, the way the women were treated. I have no idea what. But the men being sexually brutalized, I, I don't know. Nothing's having to hurt. But what I'm saying is there are people who are really wanting to connect. So it isn't this wall between Arabs and uh, Jews in, in Israel. That's what I'm trying to say. And there isn't a, a, a particular... Uh, tension. There's some. I don't want to be naive about it. If you just go to the mall, people are getting along. You go in the store and there's there are people running the store or whatever. You're getting along. You're, you're courteous, you're nice, you joke. So I, I, I think it's very important we don't get into a, a, a vicious polarity and see people as, as we mentioned, as non-human because they're Arab or because they're Jewish. Another example of that happening, Gabriel, 
<clears throat> is currently Americans are supposed to believe that Russians are all evil. And if you talk to a Russian, you're suspect. They want to set up a big conflict between the U.S. and Russia. Well, they already have in Ukraine, but on a bigger scale than that. I mean, these things are one. I mean, what else was it? We were in Japan, and the Japanese really, really felt that Chinese were demonic. Right. They didn't see a Chinese and see see how demonic that person looks? It's like Chinese. It's like, what? But, so, you have these things going on all over the world, unfortunately. I would like to see, which is the point Richard got a little bit earlier, of us turning the corner and seeing all of humanity signal our, our oneness and uh, proceeding from that position. Our hope is that that's more contagious than anything on the dark side. Yeah, yeah. and it will be. And I'm not being foolish. I mean, you have not the right, you have the moral responsibility to protect yourself and it teaches in the Torah somebody gets up to kill you, it is your responsibility to go back and, and, and fight with them. I think the, the key there, Gabriel, is that it has to be real defense. And early on in, in uh, American history, you know, they, they, they changed the name to the Department of Defense because of what you just said, that defense is justified. But then they used it to attack people all over the world and wipe out countries and attack Iraq, for example, after 9-11. And that's not defense. Right. But I am talking about defense. I'm not talking about the propagandizing of it, defining it as a, you know, Physical, physical defense is going to be necessary until we demonstrate that consciousness is strong enough to replace it. That's why we do the Peace 21 meditation, why we do the weekly World Peace meditation, because we're working on that level to shift consciousness. Right. And it's critical. And I would appreciate as many people participating as possible. We'd start a little explanation about 6.15 Israel time. Um, and that's about 1.15 uh, well, Sao Paulo time in Brazil, but it's seven hour difference. So 6.15 is 11.15 in uh, East Coast time. So you're invited to, to come because we do make a difference. Actually, we do make a difference. Yeah, I, I think people need to be open to it. It's easy to think that nothing can really help. You know, Doug made the point in our discussion before the show that um, the evil will continue to the extent that we put up with it. But people don't know how to not put up with it. You know, like, what do you do? And, and there's actions on different levels that are important. You know, there are good people getting elected to office around the world right now, which is really a positive sign. But the key element that's at the base of all the positive signs is a positive consciousness, and that's what you're working with. Right. So we have to operate at all those different levels. 
You have to be meditating for peace and creating that thing and be aware when you walk down the street. It, it's like, as the Sufis say, love everyone but tie up your camel. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's kind of a an important ancient message. So I'm just blessing everyone that we can maintain the consciousness of loving everyone and tying up our camel. That's right. So thank you, Richard. Thank you, Doug, behind the scenes. Richard, you want to finish up here? Sure. Yeah, I, I think what it boils down to is what Gabriel said last, <clears throat> which is understanding what tying up your camel really is. It includes a lot. Um, everything that you have to take care of on the 3D level and the physical world, taking care of your family and your own health and doing your job, doing whatever you need to do, being responsible, paying your bills, etc., defending your territory when it's attacked. You have to do those things. But underneath everything else is this work on consciousness. And the real challenge is when, when things are being difficult on the outside level, it's hard to remember the reality of consciousness unless you're training yourself to do that. And what people who have made inroads and pioneers in this area have discovered is that consciousness is the root of everything. And where your attention goes and what your intent is, is not meaningless. It's really powerful. And we're creating our own experience in life by doing things that we don't even recognize we're doing, primarily where your attention is, what emotions you're living in. For example, fear or love, which in many ways are opposites, and they draw into your life physical experiences which differ according to where your attention is. So what Gabriel is working on, what I think really what the meditation boils down to, is it's not just thinking the words world peace, world peace. It's getting yourself into the mentality of where you emotionally feel. What would it be like if the world was at peace, not just in lack of war, you know, but real harmony between everybody? What would that feel like? And imagination, again, is kind of ridiculed by people who have a shallow view of what science is, but they're... They're not different. Imagination is really powerful. On the, the power planet. of the right brain. It's the power of the right brain. Yeah, exactly. It's a creative power that belongs to God, but it can flow through you and does. And, you know, this, again, I'll shut up in a minute. This is a long topic, but people wonder, you know, and they get familiar with words like manifestation and how can you manifest what you want? Well, what they don't realize is we're doing that already. We're praying all the time. We're meditating all the time. We're manifesting all the time. It's just we're doing that from a scattered consciousness with no oversight that's awake. And if you become aware of the emotional uh, energy that you're carrying around and projecting to the world, and you decide where you want that to be, then the effect gets concentrated. And that's where the power lies. So... Really, the question is, in the time that we've got left, before the global rulers succeed in what they want to do, which in their hypnotized state is to destroy everybody, before that happens, are we going to calm down inside and be quiet for a minute and realize, drop the preconceptions and the 
ego nonsense and the ideas of who's subhuman, etc., etc., and get still and realize that if we invite that power to flow through us, whatever you call it, of harmony and love and what world peace really comes from, we want to see what would happen, and it's unlimited. So we're inviting you to join us in that. And uh, Dr. Cousins' programs are all geared in that direction, so you can see more of them at drcousins.com and treeoflife.mn.co and the Sunday morning U.S. time, uh, the World Peace Meditation, which is just a half an hour a week of coming together and stopping all the stuff that's in the way of this power that can flow through us and getting still and in harmony with what people call God on a real level, bringing it into 3D life, which is, I think, the whole, the whole issue right now. Can we do that in time? Again, slight interruption. I sure. do recommend people do it every morning. Yeah, that's right. You're saying every day now. Yeah. And, and I'm saying all but day. We meet as a group once a week. Right, but you're saying that individually we should do it once a yeah. day. And I agree. And then the rest of the day, though, start to become aware of where, what emotional field you're living in. It's very powerful. And you're actually sharing it with everybody now. So do it in the way that you want to do it. And uh, so anyway, and Lost Arts Radio is not doing a whole lot. They're waiting to see what happens to me, you know, in, in uh, the situation that I'm dealing with is really interesting. It's much like happened to people who got vaccines, but my last vaccine was 1955 so I don't think it's a vaccine reaction and it's like my own personal uh, opportunity to take all this talk about consciousness and spirituality and focus and meditation and intent and everything and demonstrate because when you do it's going to reflect in your physical body it's going to be quite amazing so I'm saying we should do that together and this is our opportunity. So that's what we talk about, too, uh, once a week in Planetary Healing Club. And you're welcome to that if you want. Uh, this supports what Gabriel's doing with World Peace Meditation. And that's planetaryhealingclub.com. If you have questions about that, whether it's worth your time, um, you can always write to me, Richard, at lostartsradio.com. And uh, no guarantee what any of our outcomes are but we're doing our best. We need to support each other. So thanks for being with us, and sorry to keep you over time today, but there's a lot going on. And uh, put this into practice this week, and we'll see you here next time. Take care. Peace be with you. Amen.